Welcome to episode 16 of the Men Who Saved Football, the Dundalk FC fancast. This is a reaction to our European victory over the Andorran champions, Interclub Escalades, uh, and also the draw for the next round of the Europa League and also the FAI Cup. Guys, where do you think Thursday night's victory fits in in the pantheon of great Dundalk European victories? I, it, was a, it was a very strange one, I think, um, because... After the Selja game, which once we saw them play, I think we should have won and then we lost in spectacular fashion. Knowing everything we knew about Inter, I mean, I expected a bloodbath and I thought it would have been good for morale and good for everybody to steamroll a team. But um, the, the, you know, the scoreline obviously was uh, 1-0. Uh, we didn't steamroller them. Um, I think it was pretty comfortable overall. Um, a few hairy moments, um, but I would have liked to, to have been more comfortable. I think if you think about Andorra, the league, and the size of a club like Inter, and the size of a club like Dundalk with the aspirations we have, um, it, it was a bit of a worrying re result in a way. Um, I can't remember much about the game. I think I might have blanked it out of my memory. Uh, there obviously there was a lot of incidents um, uh, with the referee. The referee was awful. I think that's going to be a common theme now. Um, some really, really odd decisions. Um, but I, I just feel I think a, a more convincing performance would have been very nice to settle the ship because under Filippo's reign, I don't think we've been particularly impressive in any game. And I think he's got a, a lucky draw so far of teams we've played. Um, but I thought that could have been an opportunity to lay down a marker. And I think we stumbled over the line uh, to the next round. So, I mean, I don't want to be talked down too negative about a win in Europe. Uh, definitely not up down the pantheon of great European wins. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. But we haven't won in Europe in, in you know, it's, it's in a long time. So uh, I'll take it. But I think the result was not very, the performance was not very convincing. So I think before the, the game, there was a, a comment that had been, what, four maybe five games since we last scored in Europe like we're definitely on a, a very bad run up front and despite us taking a, a fairly early lead I think there was a lot of missed chances like we could have been four maybe five goals up by the end of the first half Sean Murray hit the post a couple of good chances for for Michael Duffy and David McMillan and, uh, and people in between that and um, really we could have been out of sight you know and I think if you know, we'd got a second or a third, like the floodgates really would have opened at that stage. But there's always this kind of psychology in Europe that like we're, we're always very cagey, uh, especially away from home. And I think uh, the fact that those chances like didn't go in, uh, kind of left the, the, the game open, that, you know, Inter still felt that they were in with a chance, you know, it only takes one set piece or, you know, one dodgy referee uh, to give you a dodgy decision. And uh, all of a sudden, we were down to 10 men. And then I think, you know, there's, again, a certain psychology sets in that, you know, we're away in Europe. We have a slender lead. We're down to 10 men. We, uh, we try and hold what we have. And uh, I think, yeah, it wasn't a, a fantastic kind of scoreline or anything like that. But I think we have few enough away wins in Europe that I think probably we'd be reasonably happy with getting through to the next round, being the last Irish club left in the draw. Uh, and we might as well celebrate that, you know, for, for the, the few things we have to celebrate right now. Let's take it. Yeah, big time. I think that I have to echo Martin, what Martin said there. Yeah, we should have been well out of sight come um, halftime. We should have been like four or five up, definitely. And that should have been it. Put the bed. We move on. You can, you can, you can play. But I thought we actually played quite well in terms of our speed moving the ball from, from, from the defence out through the midfield and up through the wings. I, I thought we were good. Um, and that it was just disappointing that we couldn't um, convert them into um, chances into goals. And then even when we went down to 10 men, I thought we were actually quite good. Like at times when I was watching, I, I forgot we were down to 10 men. Like it wasn't like we were under huge pressure. But there was a couple of hairy, sticky moments there towards the end that should never, ever have, you know, materialised, you know. And uh, I think, yeah, he's definitely very lucky with his draw in Europe and he's been lucky with the games he's had so far. Um, I think when we come up against stronger opposition that's when we'll see if this team can can uh, can push on but i don't see why they can't because like we have i really believe the best squad in the country and i think that we should be playing you know i think they just need a little bit of belief and hopefully hopefully fingers crossed we'll push on and we'll start to get some good results 
one thing though is that we we have to start hitting the back of the net a little yeah. bit more like there was one thing about the Celtic game that was really apparent was we carved out you know four or five really good chances and missed every single one of them and uh, you know again a, a sort of a similar story on Thursday night albeit that one of them went in and it was enough but if we we're going to start taking on better class opposition like we're not going to be able to waste those same number of chances over and over again without being punished for it and it's I think a good sign that we're creating so many chances but you know Sooner or later, somebody's going to start hitting the back of the net a few times, unless we're we're going to you know bow out again. I suppose on that point, creating chances wasn't the issue. I mean, we we usually in a game like that we would have been three 0 up at halftime and cruising to a comfortable victory. But as you say, just converting chances. If we go back to probably our finest European performance, was just the Bate three 0 victory. We pretty much took every chance that we created, and indeed every half chance that we created. But we could name them. There was the Sean Murray chance. I think Greg Sluggett had a few sites ago. You know, there was there was innumerable occasions where we could have put the game out of sight. And then suddenly the game changes on what was the other big talking point, which was the rather eccentric performance of the referee. I mean, we had nine yellow cards and a sending off in a game which really couldn't be described as a dirty game. I, I did begin to wonder, like, players regularly get tested for performance-enhancing drugs. I wonder, should we consider starting testing referees for performance-inhibiting drugs? Because there seemed to be something just odd going on with that refereeing performance. Or am I looking at his performance through black and white glasses? Yeah, I, I think definitely. Uh, I, I don't think anyone could complain with what you just said. I don't think anyone would deny the referee had a really strange game. I remember watching it on WhatsApp. That seemed to be the big thing coming in from everyone watching it. This ref is a clown. This ref is a clown. What's going on? What's going on? So it's not just you, Ken. You're not, you're not being paranoid. Um, yeah, no, it was just all over the place, some crazy decisions. Um, the sending off, uh, yeah, um, I don't think it should have been a sending off. Um, but um, as Damien said, we, we coped. I don't... like. There was times after sending off, I forgot that we were down to 10 men, which does, you know, kind of maybe points to the quality of Inter and it does show just what a, a steady performance it was as well. Because I do think the lads made some good points there just about the performance, which is that, um, you know, an away win in Europe is a rarity for us and it's a one-legged thing and one goal goes in by them and you're in trouble. But the referee definitely didn't help them because I was watching it thinking at some stage, they could get a penalty, you know, uh, and that's the cat amongst the pigeons. But definitely, uh, it didn't it didn't hinder us though. I don't think the, the referee had a bad game, but as Damien said, the fair play to the team because I actually forgot at some stages we were down to ten men. We didn't look like we were up against the wall that much uh, afterwards, um, and I think the, the team did kind of were playing with that protecting a lead away in Europe mentality. Um, but he definitely didn't help things. It kind of shows, and I don't don't wish to be critical, they are several hundred places down the rankings lower than us, but it kind of showed just how ordinary uh, our opponents were. And I suppose we're reaping the benefits of past good performances in Europe that has got us that seeding, which now means that we're not one of the weaker teams thrown in against the big boys. We are actually meeting teams weaker than ourselves. Like Even when we went down to 10 men, I thought Inter created almost nothing. Long diagonal balls, which we easily dealt with. And as you say, we never really looked under too much pressure apart from uh, perhaps a freak a second freak referee in decision, which might have given them something. But it seemed to me, not to labour the point of the referee, but even before the sending off, he seemed to just automatically give free outs for every set piece. It was exceptional if a corner kick or a free kick did not result in a free out. And I think, like we said on Twitter, you know, you expect a little bit of regional variation. Like, I, I remember when we played in, in Luxembourg against Junes Esch, and Brian Gartland made one of his standard League of Ireland tackles, which, which caused several of their players to go ashen face to the referee looking for protection. So there is a difference in the physicality usually of the game in the League of Ireland and what you encounter in Europe. But I just thought the referee and performance was absolutely absurd. And particularly when the stakes are so high, it could have easily cost us the tie. 
it will mean that we're without the services of Andy Boyle for the next uh, round. And I just think it's, it's absolutely scandalous that at European level, you're seeing a referee performance as poor as that. But like I say, I, I don't wish to labor the point, but I just think that that does have to be said. However, whereas we didn't get any luck in the draw in recent years, we were always drawn pretty much against the strongest possible opponent that we could have faced. Suddenly we've had the draw for the next round. Should we get past Sheriff Tiraspol? We, we suddenly have uh, an achievable tie to get us into the group stages. So that could really transform this season. We've got two possible opponents, Dynamo Tbilisi, who are 141 places below us in the UEFA rankings. And then we have uh, Kesevik from the Faroe Islands, who are 306 places below us in the rankings. So if we can muster ourselves to have one of those great European performances that occasionally we've had in the past and overcome what will be a pretty formidable opponent in Sheriff, then suddenly group stages look quite achievable. I mean, that could really transform the season in, into something totally unexpected. Yeah, the only thing is, I think probably all four teams on this side of the draw will be very happy with the way that things have turned out and will fancy their chances at, you know, maybe a, an unlikely stint in the Europa League group stages. So uh, I think we'll be meeting a variety of people who are as pleased to see us as we are to see them. Um, like I said, you know, uh, earlier on that I think if we start hitting the back of the net, you know, maybe we have a chance of, uh, of squeaking this and, and going through. But if we continue to, to miss five or six chances a game the way that we have been, uh, it's, we're going to be making it very difficult on ourselves. Maybe they got rid of Vinnie Perth because he's cursed. Uh, and uh, some kind of karmic forces were drawing the hardest teams in Europe against him because the minute he went, suddenly uh, some magic path has opened up. But, I, I mean, Sheriff will be hard, but the round after Sheriff, you, we, have a, we have a huge fighting shot. It's, it is exciting. I mean, I think this year has been overwhelmingly negative, to be honest with you. I don't. It's not going to go down as a vintage one. It'll go down as... Um, uh, as, as, as a low point, I think, so far. But there's a chance to salvage something incredible. Um, Sheriff, I think, is... But the big thing, and it's the, it's the weird silver lining of this COVID situation, is a one-game shot is, you know, anything can happen. And I would say that as poor as Dundalk have been this season, and I really do think it's down to confidence and the... The stuff behind the scenes has to be affecting them on the pitch. I mean, I think that's obvious. But as Damien said, I mean, I, I still think, as, as good as Shamrock Rovers are, I still think our squad is better. So we have the quality of players. We have seen that in Europe, the, the, the planets can align and they can, they can turn it on. They haven't turned it on this season. But you never know if, you know, if they the start vibing with each other against Sheriff and it's one game, one shot. If we overcome Sheriff, then my God, we've got such a chance of getting to the group stages. And that is a transformational. I mean, I'm not gonna say it now, but you can keep your league. Uh, if we make it to the group stages, this that it'll be it'll be magic, you know? Um, and you can, you know, send send the Asterix trophy up to uh up to Tala for a season uh and uh, we'll have a little European adventure. I think definitely what you said, Rory. There, it would just be incredible, you know, if 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 we got that far, it really would. And a part of me is kind of a bit excited as well because, leaving aside the divinity curse, let's call it. <laughs> Again, we we have a, we have a better draw. Um, the new the new guy takes a different approach. So, one thing I I thought Vinny, and it is manager, didn't want to see him going at all. But if I was to have a criticism of it, I thought he was a little bit too conservative. You know, like when we'll win, I don't know where I'm record for saying this before, but like when we'll win the game um, with, with Stephen Kenny, like you could be winning 2-0 and he changes it up, not to defend the 2-0, but to go 4-5. And I thought Vinny was a little bit the opposite of that. We were winning, he'd steady the ship, he'd defend it out. And I don't think this guy, um, that's in him, in him to do that. So if our defence can hold and if we can start converting those chances, I think next Thursday night's game could be could be a cracker. Like if, if we score, like if if we can score what we create, I think it, it could be it could be amazing if we're tight at the back. But yet again, 
we all know Europe is fine line stuff. Like as you said, we took the half chances, Ken, when we bet Batia Baris off that night. That was a European performance. You don't you don't take those half chances, the game's gone and we're out. But we took them and we showed the confidence in the team as well. So I think that if we have a bit of confidence next week, we have a solid defence and we just take those half chances, I think we could be we could be laughing, you know. There's so much psychology at work in Europe as well. That you know, the team that gets the, the first goal, you can see the, the confidence drain out of the opposition when that happens. And, you know, I think even though Sheriff are a, a pretty tough, you know, kind of outfit, outfit, they've got a lot of experience. Um, if we were to grab the first goal over there, like I can really see that affecting them. Uh, and I can see us, you know, maybe going on to, to win that game. It's, it's definitely winnable. The only other thing I would say, and again, I don't want to be negative here, but were we to advance to the group stages, I think it would be a shame that... Uh, we don't have a manager like Vinnie Perth at, at, at the wheel on that. I think going into the group stages with a manager who has never managed at this level before, uh, it's, it's such it's such an like, opportunity of a lifetime, although it's happened twice. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to talk to Filippo, but the fact of the matter is, is that his experience and record is a matter of fact. And Europe is Europe. And you want... I mean, Vinnie was at the side of Stephen Kenny during those incredible years. And to be stealing... Now, if he makes it there, I can't sit here and complain. I can't sit here and talk down the man because he, he'll have got us into there, um, albeit under strange, unprecedented circumstances. But does he have the ability to make the decisions that are needed in Europe to get us through that? I don't know. I'm going to say one thing that I think it'll be on the players... If the players show up, we, we could we could do something magic against Sheriff. Perhaps Filippo is just a lucky general and who needs to be good when you're lucky. And I'm I don't mean that to say that he may emerge to be a very good manager in his own right. We're still really getting to know him, but I suppose perhaps he's been fortunate in playing some of the opponents that he's had in his first three games, but nonetheless it's a one hundred percent record. And looking back, I think we had the anniversary of the AZ Alkmaar results just recently, and the highlights came up on Twitter. And we can see Martin mentioned confidence, but luck also is a huge factor. When we look back at that game, even in the highlights, there was probably a great deal more luck in that result than you might have recalled, because AZ did have a perfectly legitimate goal ruled out. They also had the ball in the back of the net for that kind of Gary Rogers collision with the forward, which somehow the goal was forgotten about and there was the game simply restarted, you know. So that was also a curious decision. And, of course, we had three or four occasions when the Dundalk defenders cleared the ball off the line before we actually then grabbed the first point that an Irish side has ever grabbed in the Europa League. So, I mean, sometimes... And, and of course, the first leg of the Batte game just preceding our greatest ever result, you might say, well, you, you'll remember just how absolutely dominant Bate were in that game. And while they won it 1-0, it could have easily been 4 or 5 and out of sight. So sometimes you do have to ride your luck. Now, turning our, turning our attention to our upcoming opponents, Sheriff, they are a team very much in form. They've played nine league games. They've got nine wins. They've scored 26 goals. They've conceded one goal. And that was against the, the second-place team in the division. So they would seem to be domestically all-conquering. Although there is a sort of weird, unknowable element to just how good that leg is. Whether Sheriff are a very, very well-financed, dominant fish in a small pond, because the Moldovan League is actually ranked below our own, even though Sheriff are 50 or so places above us. So uh, turning to that kind of 50 places, at the time we played Bate Borisov, they were you know, results affect this from week to week, but they were roughly 60 places above us in the league. So if you want to be optimistic, you could say that this is not as big a mountain to climb as the Bate result was. But I suppose to contrast with that, they are bang in form and dominant domestically, whereas we are probably still finding our way out of that dip in form we had when soccer returned after the break. So with that being said... Would you make any predictions about selection 
our tactics or how we should approach this game against this somewhat unknown quantity in Sheriff? I think he'll go out. I, I, I don't know about my prediction. prediction about uh, Filippo will, will send him out will be pretty much the same as he does. Like, and um, He talks about, you know, the lines, the leashing lines from the cage and stuff like that. Like, I'm mad to go. They're chomping at the bed stuff. I think he'll go at it like that again. And, I mean, I think that... that does, um, does any boy he missed the game now, will he? I presume he'll be suspended, yeah. He'll be suspended, yeah. So maybe Sean Gannon um, in on the right and then shuffle in for um, in the defence like that. I can't really see any other changes that I would make. You know, I'd definitely stick with McMillan up front because I don't know, he's, he's a different type of forward than, than Pat. And um, I think we go with it like that. But I really do believe, and I don't want to be, to be sound like I'm repeating myself, sound to the fine lines, but I can just tip back to the, to the Alkmaar game, even though we rode our luck in that game. After, I did watch the highlights as well when they popped up on Twitter. And had we taken the half chances, we could have been out of sight. <laughs> you know what I mean? We could have been three up before they had a chance. You know, um, so it, it kind of, they, they are fine lines. And I think maybe on Thursday night, as Martin said, definitely, it's a strange one in Europe. You score the first goal, and you can see the opposition almost kind of like, you know, recoiling. It's, you've got a huge advantage over them. And then with, with the fact that it's only a, it's a one-legged, it's an the night decider, and there's no way it goes, obviously that doesn't really matter. But um, on, on the night, it's an advantage for them. I, I, I think it's all down to, 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 um, to, to taking the, the half chances. Yeah, I mean, it's, as for predicting uh, the, the team, Maybe it depends on a fax from Florida. Uh, <laughs> who, who, is, who is picking the team? Um, I mean, that's that's. I'm not. I'm not trying to stir a pot for no reason. But that is still, I think, a thing floating around. Um, I mean, it's all it's all out in the open now. As in, um, who is uh, who, who is picking the team? Is Filippo in charge? We don't know. So predicting a team, I think. Uh, who knows? You know. Uh, I think these days with the doc. You never know what's going to happen. Um, to me, as, just to go back to my point, I think it's on, on the players. And that's not to downgrade Filippo, but I think a European, I mean, as you said, since, since, since football came back after the extended break, um, we have not been at our best. But those players can play ball. But I think it's, as Martin mentioned the word earlier on, confidence and stuff like this. Um, it's psychological. Um, if if you know if things like the Alkmaar or Bate or even the Legia game, if if that spirit can return, um, it's on the players, I think. And again, it, because we had Stephen Kenny, okay, talismanic Stephen Kenny, then we don't have him now. We don't have any part. Filippo was brand new in the job, so even not to put too much pressure on him, I think it's on the players. They're seasoned players. The core of that team is still. Has you know over the year over the last four or five years done amazing things, um, do they have the self belief? Because that because I said sheriff are fifty places higher than us, the odds are against us. Statistically, it's all against us. So the players need to need to show up. I think Damien touched on an idea that there's going to be an enforced kind of uh, shuffling of the deck with Andy Boyle missing. So. Um, yeah, like him, I think we probably expect Sean Cannon to come back in at right back. Although Cameron Dummigan's fit again, and as Aaron McCary pointed out during the week, uh, you know everybody's kind of fighting for their place in the eyes of a new boss at the moment. So you never know exactly who is their their spot nailed down or not. Um, but I think Filippo alluded to the fact that uh, Dane Massey's picked up some kind of uh, fairly serious injury of some kind anyway, and uh, is likely to be mixed, missing as well. So I think. We can probably expect it to be Gannon and uh, Linia fullback, uh, and then I don't know at centre back probably Gartland and somebody else beside him. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, but I think Filippo's kind of been the beneficiary of a couple of players coming back into the team. So uh, the other night he had both uh, Sean Murray and Greg Sloggett back, who had uh, not featured in the, the previous European game. And I think we could see that they definitely had uh, a lot more legs about them. Um, and in that first half. Definitely, we, we started very well, like a lot of energy. Uh, I don't think that maybe Inter did a great job of keeping Michael Duffy out of the game, like he was very well involved for the, the first 15 or 20 minutes. And um, yeah, again, I don't know if that's down to Filippo being a bit lucky so far, but I think if he can rely on all of those players being, you know, kind of fit and available for selection, um, 
Yeah, he's, he's got a lot going for him. Um, I don't know if maybe Pat Hoobin's uh, in line for uh, a return to the starting 11 as well. Like uh, a man who's, you know, got 30 goals in a, a league season previously. And uh, like I said, we've been struggling to convert a few challenge, uh, chances lately. So um, I can definitely see him pointing that out to the boss over the course of the week. Uh, I don't know. Like there's a, there's a lot to be said for David McMillan too. But uh, I wonder if Pat Hoobin's maybe a bit more clinical up front. Uh, might be the answer to, to some of our worries. David McMullen got a, a, a rarity, uh, which was a European goal, away goal. Uh, so, you know, he is a massive shout to stay in the team, I think, because he took that so well. And it was, a, you know, it was, as you said, John, that, that, that goal dust, uh, an away goal in Europe, David McMullen got it. And I suppose if we are chasing the game with 20 minutes to go, who's to say that we might not see the pair of them on the pitch as occasionally they have been whenever we had a game to chase. But I suppose the one silver lining about Andy Boyle's unavailability is Sean Gannon coming back into the team is something that a lot of fans would enjoy seeing happen anyway. And if we do have strength in depth, we probably do have it at centre-half where Daniel Cleary is coming back to fitness, Sean Hoare is match fit, and the rejuvenated Brian Gartland is is in the mix as well, who didn't, once again, didn't do too much wrong, albeit against an opposition in Interclub who I don't think you can read much from a performance against them as to, you know, regard who, who you'll need when you're facing Sheriff. I suppose... Rory, like what you say, it's it, it, we we don't quite know whether we have a bunch of good players who are cert, who are sort of more or less going along on their own momentum. We, we, we're not quite sure whether Filippo is, you know, really established and and it, whether it's his team or whether this is simply Vinnie Pert's team carrying on with the sort of momentum that they may have had at the start of the season. If we Dundalk win on Thursday night. Do we begin to have to think of Filippo as perhaps the genuine article, like a manager who knows how to win games? The fans seem to have warmed to him. He seems to have a good media persona and he says all the right things. But should we get what would be a really big result to get us on the cusp of the group stages? Do we begin to have to maybe look at Filippo and begin to give him more credit for the performances and the victories should it come along? I think our fans are great anyway like that. Like No matter who comes in, fans just rove in behind and they're very, very good like that. Um, I think that if Filippo gets us through, yeah, I think that'll everybody will think he's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. But the thing we have to look at, it's like those players, like in my opinion, and I said it before, probably the best players in the league. Okay, Sharon Covers are going to win the league this year. We've had a, a bumpy road. It's the COVID year. But um, like those were the same players that when Stephen Kenny went for the, got, got plucked out of our um, club for the FAI, for the FAI gig um, for the uh, national manager's job um, that, that said, look, you know, it wasn't all about the manager. We're the players and we want to prove ourselves. So I'd be expecting them to kind of step up to the plate. And that's what, he, what I'm waiting for for them to do, you know. So I think that if Filippo can kind of muster up the confidence back into the into the team, into the squad, and we win on Thursday night, um, I'll go a step further. I think that um, Bill Holzheiser is the man. <laughs> is is this the secret nightmare scenario now that lurks about in the ether that we are almost afraid to name? That if Dundalk make it to the cusp of the group stages that Bill Holsizer will feel vindicated in his decision to change manager and his spin of the roulette wheel will see the little silver ball land on the right number and he'll be more emboldened to have faith in his decisions going forward. Is that like a secret fear of, of Dundalk fans? Well, I mean, okay, listen, I'm on the record. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the current ownership of what they're doing. Not a fan of Bill Holsizer and what he has done. But if we get to, for, to, for instance, the the cusp of the group stages, um, first of all, that would be amazing, and we'll be cheering them on all the way. It, does it vindicate him? Honestly, it doesn't, because I think this time period is still too short. From Vinnie Perth leaving, and I, again, if Filippo, by the way, if we overcome Sheriff, all the credit in the world to the manager, uh, 
um, for that. I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, it wasn't him. It was just the players did it right. No, but you have to give credit to the players as well, I think. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Credit to the players. Yeah. But if, if, if we do all that, I still think the Bill Holsizer project needs longer to be assessed. Especially in a year where, let's face it, chaos is reigning in, in many ways. You know, there's no established narrative on anything. And we're, we've got one-leg games, you know. Um, nothing is normal in any way. The one-leg game is one thing, and that, that's not to downplay any achievement that will happen. But this is a, this is a mad year. If we get to the cost of it, I always think it, it is amazing. But I think the Bill Holsizer reign will need longer to be assessed. I'm not going to be putting on a, a make them duck great again hat uh, <laughs> and waving uh, stars and bars uh, next Thursday night if 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 we beat them um, because there's a lot more to go for. I, you know, um, we're going to lose our league trophy, um, and I don't think that's on the owners of the club. I think that's that's you know, uh, a combination of effects. But um, if we make it to the group stages, I'll celebrate the players. <laughs> Very diplomatically put. I suppose, and not to labour the point or to pick at wounds that are still just healing, but I, I think, you know, there, there is that prospect that, you know, a successful run in Europe and you, you have the chairman who has intervened, sacked the manager, will sit back and say, right decision, right outcome, look at what's happened. But I suppose if we take it right back to our discussion of two, three weeks ago, for me, it's more abstract principle. It doesn't really matter so much about the person in charge, any owner, any time. For me, once they start looking to make team decisions as regards player recruitment, team selection, substitutions. Once you want the bat phone installed in the dugout, to me, that's just, that's just crazy. And in any circumstances with any personalities. Now, there were certain messages being put out through the media, it was reported in the press, that he wanted particular players in the team and in the squad. And Filippo said, no, I'll be doing team decisions. And some of the names most pushed by the media as figures that Bill wanted in the squad and in the team, they don't seem to have materialized. So perhaps in all the reaction and all the controversy that was stirred up around about that period, perhaps he's backed off for the moment. But like I say, I don't want to be banging on about this every episode we do. But there is that leviathan lurking beneath the surface and we don't know when it will break the water again and shoot out tentacles and cause disruption and chaos to, to what had been a steady ship but nonetheless it would be incredible remarkable if Dundalk can defeat Sheriff and then most probably be in the driving seat to get back to the group stages for the first time since uh, 2016 yeah, I think that you can only beat what's put in front of you. And I think, uh, you know, Filippo's side so far have done everything you would expect. But I don't think there have been any surprising results yet. Uh, and I think probably the Sheriff game is the first opportunity to, to assess that. Like, if we were to beat Sheriff, I think that would raise a few eyebrows. Uh, and so that would go, be chalked down as, you know, a noteworthy success. Uh, but on the flip side, I think that taking the, the whole season into account, like one of the things that we, we talked about uh, a couple of episodes ago was the, the contract situation. And I think that really rumbles on in the background that, you know, when you have so much uncertainty about who's running the club, who's picking the team, um, who's going to be here next season. I think there's a lot of players, you know, if they have reasonable offers elsewhere, will be at least more inclined to think seriously about those offers than they would have done previously. And I think that's a big worry. Yeah, that, that is one of the things that does sort of um, play on the minds of a lot of fans because uh, I think Ronan mentioned it in the last episode that Dundalk has recently in recent years been the club to go to and an approach from Dundalk was almost irresistible to most players in most other clubs. And we have this silence now about a lot of the players whose contracts are coming to an end. And we also, we've got signals from Filippo. He, basically asked about those con players whose contracts are expiring 
And he, he more or less said, as he usually diplomatically does, I don't think the club will allow the best players to leave, which would indicate reading between the lines that he's not in a position personally to sign him up. And he's hoping that somebody else will. But, you know, if I'm Declan Devine or perhaps even uh, Stephen Bradley, and I know that certain Dundalk players are becoming available, it could be the case that some of these players are already gone on pre-contracts agreements with other clubs. So I think, well, I said it last time, I think a lot of Dundalk fans would be very reassured to see some of their big names being announced as having signed new contracts. And while that isn't happening, it's going to remain a, an item of concern for a lot of Dundalk fans. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point about the contracts. Now, I will say it's too early. I mean, I, it's always been nervy, even during the Kenny years. I remember approaching Christmas and you're looking at your phone every day and you're waiting for like the, the Sean Gannon announcement. Because remember a few years ago, huge talk he was going to Rovers. And I remember I, I, was, I was in a pub uh, around about Christmas and it came through and I punched the air and shouted uh, you know Sean Gannon had re-signed and it was, it was like a victory um, the only thing I will say is that if peak six are still serious and if we're on the cusp of Europa the Europa League which is their big thing I mean that that's that's the that's their that's their whole plan that will they they may continue to throw resources at this so if we make it to the group stages, for instance, I mean, I know that's a big, that's, that's two games away in a big shout. But if we did, first of all, there is the money from that. But it also, it vindicates internally Peak Six's strategy, which they may be beginning to assess. And we said recently, possibly the, the you know, the hand of power, hand over power to Bill, Bill Holzheiser might suggest a lack of interest from other, you know, from, from the group. Now, maybe they're losing interest. This might rekindle interest in the project. And if it does, yes, players, you know, Dundalk used to be the place to go and there might be other teams the place to go. But also, bills need to be paid. Mortgages need to be paid. A lot of these players have children. If Dundalk are still paying the wages that they are, we could well hold on to some of these players. Um, because at the end of the day, yes, everyone wants glory everyone wants results and no one wants to be probably as in martin said you know that who's running the show is it chaotic behind the scenes but if you get offered a contract which is a fairly healthy salary in unprecedented times you could well resign that you become a journeyman then though that is the big fear isn't it the big fear is then that those you know who go because they don't like what's happening and then those that stay is because it's just a paycheck and then it becomes really dodgy territory, doesn't it? If we keep some of those players because then they're only here for a paycheck, maybe they'll rekindle their uh, abilities next season and keep the squad and keep yeah. them away from Tala. Well, that's it. I mean, or, or anywhere else. But like, yeah. at the same time, like we 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 lost Robbie Benson this year. We've seen how effective he was against us, and then we've seen how ineffective Pats were after all after us for the rest of the season. So. You know, like mm. sometimes when you lose, when you lose really, really good players, all you've really done is you've lost a cog in, in your wheel. You, ha you know what I mean? But that wheel doesn't exist anywhere else. So you don't really slot in as well as the would have within the, the mechanism of us, if you understand what I mean. So, you know, once we don't lose all our great players and then get them, you know, replaced by 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 players who don't understand the league, because that's the bread and butter. That's what we go to Oriel for and watch. We go to watch the League of Ireland. And, you need players to understand that, not just technically gifted players, but players that are physical and, you know, are up for the endurance of it. I think you've had a good point is, if we lose some of these players, who do we get in? Because maybe we can still dangle wages at them, okay? But, you know, as Martin said, will, someone, will, will, will players want to join this chaotic ship with the Irish Independent, you know, it's national news, People who don't really follow League of Ireland are now aware that Dundalk are a bit chaotic. Whereas a few years ago, people who don't follow League of Ireland knew Dundalk was just amazing. Yeah. I used to get texts from people saying, you're a Dundalk fan, I just read about them, they're doing amazing. And <laughs> now I'm getting texts saying, you're a Dundalk fan, I heard there are shambles. Um, <laughs> will established players, like, will a Greg Sloggett want to come to Dundalk? You know, we, we've had that kind of trickle of players from Derry to Dundalk. 
yeah. if that's cut off and we lose some players the other direction, will anyone want to come to us? Or are we going to get some more college kids from uh, across the Atlantic? Yeah, I think earlier in the season, one of the things I mentioned was like back in 2015, 2016, we were the beneficiaries of a lot of the Dublin clubs being in a very poor state of affairs. So like Shamrock Rovers weren't looking too healthy. Bohemians were nearly relegated. So were Pats. Shelburne were still a first division side. And um, I think if you look at the, the landscape right now, I think things are much more difficult in that regard. So like a lot of our recruitment would typically come from the, the East Coast. Uh, a lot of, you know, uh, recent history of, of players from the Ringsend area, you know, making their way up to the M1 to Dundalk. And I think in a situation where if Dundalk looks like uh, a less good option for a lot of these people, uh, maybe they're inclined to, to look a, bit, a little bit closer to home, um, especially when, you know, clubs like Bose and stuff of like that are on a bit of a, an upturn at the moment. Um, that might just make things that little bit more difficult for us. I suppose we could be facing a, a kind of a top tier version of a problem that we faced in the first division where Dundalk essentially for a couple of seasons round about the co-op era, we tried to just have the biggest budget in the first division and assume that that would give us the best players. But without somebody there as a manager who was really attuned to who was a player worth having, what you ended up was a lot of players who may have had on paper the ability but simply didn't have the character or the discipline often to actually be part of a championship winning team. And if we have a pot of money, that's always great for solving a lot of problems. But you will know that there there is a sort of merry-go-round of players who go around the lower tiers of Europe. They've got 20 clubs on their CV. And without somebody with expertise managing player recruitment, the club could fall victim to a lot of journeymen coming who simply don't have either the ability or the physicality or the mentality to be a success in the League of Ireland. And I think it does take a while to adjust to the League of Ireland anyway, mm-hmm. even if you're coming in from a supposedly higher level. But there, there's a problem with simply your attractiveness as a club being that you pay higher wages than other folks. Because as well as perhaps getting better players, you can also attract the attention of agents who just want to offload some journeyman to you for yet another season before they move them on to some new horse on the merry-go-round. And we suffered a lot. That was part of the reason that we kind of blew a lot of money in the first division and eventually had to look at a different way of trying to get out of the first division. And I think when Stephen Kenny, with his encyclopedic knowledge of players and his ability to judge players, he very rarely got a got a big transfer wrong, and he was able to pick players of you know top ability from relative obscurity. I I would hate to see, for example, if player recruitment is going to be done by the chairman, then you're effectively saying that there's no expertise in player recruitment at Dundalk FC, and that. I, I, I cannot see how a situation like that will allow us to be competitive for the league unless... And this is also also why Filippo's interim status is, um, is a problem. Because if he's interim, if he's only temporary, he's not really in a position to look to bring anybody in. So in a way, some people would say it's far too early to make him a permanent appointee. I know he's signaled now several times that he wants to stay longer term. But either, to me, this temporary manager thing, it's a risk. Bill's involvement on the footballing side of things is another risk. That needs to be remedied. Now, whether it's a director of football or a permanent manager, somebody at Dundalk FC needs to be making decisions on what current players are going to be given contracts and what new players we're going to bring in. Because we need, we need, we we cannot become. If we become essentially a sort of parking depot for the agents with a European network of, you know, a particular type of player, if they are just going to see us as a pit stop for a season, I think the club will, well, certainly won't be fielding a competitive team in the league, and and you know it will be a massive drift away from the player recruitment strategy that has served us so well over the, over the Vinnie Perth, Stephen Kenny era. I, I think even if Filippo was in charge of player recruitment, like 
he's only just getting to know his own squad, mm. let alone uh, the League of Ireland, and particularly, I suppose, Irish players who might be returning from abroad, uh, having kind of, I don't know, either either flopped out or had enough of the, the English lower divisions uh, and that kind of thing. So I think one of the advantages that we always had during the Stephen Kenning era was his almost encyclopedic knowledge of who was you know playing at, at under 21 level, uh, who was kind of returning from from England uh, and might be available to be picked up, who was you know in and around the League of Ireland and uh, maybe set for a breakthrough. And that expertise does not seem to be at the club right now. Uh, I don't know if maybe Shane Keegan, who's still there, you know, would be tuned into that kind of thing. I'm not sure how much advice he's able to give, or you know, how much uh, the advice he gives will be received or not. But you would definitely kind of worry that that is uh, a layer of expertise that was at the club previously that isn't there now, no matter what. Well, I suppose that's going to be put to the test over the next three or four months. And if we see random players who have played in the lower reaches of the Scandinavian and Balkan leagues washing up, we we know essentially that the club is merely spinning the roulette wheel on players that may or may not make it. However, if we see known names within the league from, you know, who are promising and look like solid players that can improve the side, then we'll all be reassured. But I think it, it that is going to be a very, very big question for the club in the medium term, just exactly what type of player they can attract now and can they maintain their, their, their big names. In a way, I suppose Thursday's result although not directly related to those issues, it possibly could have a big effect because another European run could essentially make all the difficulties we've had in the middle of this season something of an aberration that might be swiftly forgotten. Do you think that that might be a possibility that basically getting to the group stages of the Europa League or even beating Sheriff, well, that could make all our problems recede into the past? I don't know if it'll make all the problems recede, but it's certainly... Well, not for you, really, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> My no. big problem remains. <laughs> no, but I think, I think on the... I understand what you're saying, Rory. No, I would, be a, I, I would agree with you. No, I don't think so. I don't think, like, all the, the, the massive problems are the massive problems, the bad phone, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's madness. Um, I, I, I don't think so. It would, be, it would be brilliant, I think, uh, to get there. But I think for the majority of people, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff would be, would be seen as, like, look... Whether he got it right or didn't get it right, look where we are now, and that's that's just great. I think that's what it is. Well, and I, I do think it can, it will. The specific problem of contracts, it could be a huge. Um, genuinely, if we make it to the cusp of group stages, there's a the financial thing, and the players might start to believe in the project again. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And now, again, I, I can't. It's I, I can't ignore this thing, but if the bat phone to Florida is still there, that's still that element of chaos which undermines a lot of stuff. And everything you've all said about prior recruitment and stuff is true. But the cusp of the Europa League stages might reinvigorate internally in the club the project and the players, and you might get players beginning to believe again and yeah, not just signing for the wage, but signing for the thing. Because we do know, right, listen, footballers are footballers and it's a job. But definitely over the last few years, the docs players were invested in the adventure. And that has come crashing to a halt. But maybe this does start, well, for the fans and everything, yeah. But maybe for the players, player recruitment and retention of players, beating Sheriff could be the thing that begins to... Now, you've made a very interesting point, which is Filippo's temporary status is that X factor as well, as well as the baffling. Um, that, 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 that is an issue. I mean, I, again, I, I hate to come across as being negative or anti-manager, but I would hope that the club are looking beyond Filippo, to be honest with you. Um, he, his experience level is my problem. It's not about the man himself. It's the level of experience he has just... I don't think it's good enough for a club of Dundalk stature. So I hope they are currently looking for something beyond that. Someone who knows the League of Ireland, I've never been convinced by this idea of getting in someone from Europe because, oh, we're in the dock now and we're a European side and we've got money. I still think 
day in, week in, week out, we have to play Finn Harps, you have to play Pats, you have to play Bows. Yeah, you have your European run in the summer, but getting someone who doesn't know the league always worries me. Um, so, but listen, if Filippo turns out to be this amazing manager, and this is the start of it because uh, managers have to start somewhere, then that'll be amazing. But um, I, I hope that there's some kind of grander plan. I wonder if, uh, I think about the, the schedule as well, that I, I'm not familiar enough with the, uh, the revised plans for, for both Europe and even for the, the League of Ireland. But, you know, I'm wondering how long did the Europa League group stages grind on for uh, this year? And indeed, um, like, how long did the League of Ireland season <laughs> grind on for as well? And how many of these players will need to extend their contracts, you know, if they were to play in all of the games? Well, the league itself is in something of a hiatus for the next couple of weeks because we're going to have our game against Cork postponed and presumably the one against Rovers as well because that's scheduled for the day after the Sheriff game. And, um, of course, we have the rather... We haven't talked about the Cup yet. We will before we wrap up. But that's going to come sort of post the league. Uh, But presumably the Europa League group stages would extend well beyond the season. Um, once again, that that could we could be in a similar contractual issue than we were back when we played in them last time. Just on the topic of the manager and his experience, uh, I suppose if his a hundred percent record is is not enough to impress you, I suppose there's two ways to look at this, and I think a lot of people have not fully made up their minds on the decision. I know we, the guys who contribute to this podcast, we were very much. Uh, we favoured Vinny being kept on, and we all went on record saying that. But there was, there was certainly a, a constituency of opinion who who were content to to see him go and thought that Dundalk should be doing a little bit better. But as regards where we go from here, I mean, there there is always a massive risk whenever you appoint a manager. The last time we dispensed with a Premier League winning manager, we replaced him with a European Cup winner, who was John Hewitt who went on to really suffer because his knowledge of the League of Ireland was so sparse. And I do recall John being coming over here, and this was sold by Enda McGuill as we're taking a big step up, we're looking outside the country, we've got a guy with a European Cup winner's medal here, this is going to be of a higher level. And within a couple of weeks, he was given interviews, having missed out on the signings of players who he clearly wasn't aware of and wasn't familiar with and he just really struggled and was gone within a couple of months and that Dundalk team went from being league champions to to narrowly escaping relegation in a playoff of course on the other hand you know Jose Mourinho started as Bobby Robson's translator so who knows maybe in 20 years time Filippo will be managing Real Madrid to yet another Champions League final we just kind of don't know at this stage. You'll be managing Dundalk FC to a Champions League final. Well, maybe. <laughs> I, I think maybe if he was paired with somebody who had a lot of League of, League of Ireland experience, you know, somebody who, who really knew the league inside out, um, that would be not so bad. Uh, again, like I would say that Shane Keegan is still in there, like somebody who, who knows his way around both the, the Premier Division and the First Division. Um, is that enough? Like, is, is Shane uh, a senior figure within the um, the management staff and that kind of thing. A bit hard to say at the moment. If I could suggest an acid test for the way Dundalk is going to go, it could be the end of an era and the breakup of the squad and something you know, that, that we don't want to see. Or this might have been just a severe bump in the road before we continue on sort of at the level that we have been. I think we will know a lot. A lot of questions will be answered uh, when we find out what Michael Duffy is going to do. If if, Dun- if Dundalk FC were able to release a statement saying that Michael Duffy has signed a new contract and will be staying at the club, I think that would probably indicate that all our best players might follow suit. So that's the one I'm going to be waiting for. And if it doesn't happen, if Michael Duffy goes elsewhere, I'd know he, he probably could make the move across the water to England. But certainly if he goes elsewhere within the island of Ireland, I would take it that you know, that as a big warning that players are perhaps beginning to consider their options elsewhere and we might see some of our other big names follow suit. And I think that'd be a really that'd be a really sad thing to see. Yeah, that'd be scary <laughs> and sad as well. I think that 
You know, because if, if a player has been offered a contract that what was once a club that was to be to be envied and admired by all other clubs, you know, to go to, to another League of Ireland club um, or another club on the island, then it, 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 it kind of says an awful lot, doesn't it? It kind of says, look, you know what, things aren't all that good up there and it's, you know, the, the cinema seats are really nice and the, the YDC is pretty cool, but you know what, it's, it's, it's a bit mad behind the scenes. It's not somewhere I want to work. You know, so I look for employment somewhere else. And that's, that is sad. You, you definitely would want to see that. I think it would be a psychological blow. Yeah. Um, as well as, we've always said this about the, the risk of players leaving, which is, especially going to Rovers, it was always, will they get an asset that aids them and we're losing something? Um, so on the field, it's a problem. But I also think psychologically for the club, as you said, we're at a pivotal moment. Is this a road bump or is this uh, the, the end of an era? And I think a player like Michael Duffy, especially if he goes to England, you can, whenever a player goes across the sea, you can kind of say, well, no one ever blames them. But like when, uh, uh, when Finn went to Rovers, that's a kind of a psychological blow because he's not going out. He's chosen to go to another club in the same thing. And that's, I think, always tough to yeah. Did you did you um, listen to the interview with Ronan Finn recently where he announced that he essentially did that because he was looking for job security beyond his playing contract? Well, at, at the time, that was, that was kind of... Um, that was known. That was a rumour circulating. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of something that, at the time, I remember Dundalk fans used to comfort themselves. Because it was a strange one. Because at the moment, if a Dundalk player left... Definitely, that would be a sign of oh shit, you know they're they're leaving a sinking ship. When Finn left, it was it was a bit of a head turner because we were in the ascendancy and they definitely were not. But there was a lot of talk that he had been promised um, a coaching role within the club after that was part of the deal. Now, no, there's old rumours. He got a car. He got an apartment. He got you know <laughs> the, the the wild rumours. He got a swimming pool. He got uh, all this kind of stuff. But that, that had been mentioned at the time, a, a coaching role within the club, a, a path to a coaching role was part of the deal. And because um, it, it, that was not the same as someone like Michael Duffy leaving now. When he left, it was a big blow. But it wasn't like it was the beginning of an exodus. It was a player clearly, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, thinking for himself. He was getting the best possible deal. And, I remember the time saying as well, the thing about football is no one ever expects loyalty from, you know, jobs, from people working jobs. I work for AIB and I get an offer from Bank of Ireland. No one goes, ah, he's been disloyal to AIB. You know what I mean? (laughs) So when Ronan Finn left, he got got a better deal. But there was always talk he had gotten some kind of, there was talk that he was was going to be involved in the coaching setup. And uh, you can't really blame him. But I think it would be different now. If a big name player left, especially to go to Rovers, Derry as well, but to go to Rovers or something like that would be. We weren't the only team in European action during the week. What? Yeah, believe really? it or not. Yeah, you might have heard of this this other European club. I think they were called AC Milan. Uh, came to Dublin. Oh, I do believe the president of Ireland wished uh, Shamrock Rovers luck, and didn't wish. Um, the reigning champions of Ireland look. Uh, I have a lot of time for our president, but that was a, that was a that was a mark against his name. Has Michael D? Has he lost your vote for re-election? <laughs> oh yeah, he's gone. He's finished. Uh, I think he I, can only do two terms anyway. But yeah, I, I, but I know I, I, I'm a big, big, big fan. I have the T-shirt. I have the Michael D T-shirt. I'm going to burn it. I, I think Michael D has been a pretty decent attendee at Dundalk games in the past, so we will probably forgive him. Yeah, speaking of the Rovers game, did you watch it? What did you think? Last twenty minutes uh, after the Dundalk game was over, I switched over to the RT player. And watched about it. it kept stalling and I had to watch about about twelve ads and then I just switched it off and that was yeah. you know but I did watch um quite a bit of it and I, I just thought I thought they were very composed, they were very good. They were um yeah I thought that I thought they were good but yeah again what what did the AC Milan have in the tank, you know, if they had that scored I didn't watch a second of it. 
and, and unless we're playing them, I don't want to watch a minute of them. But I'm a true believer. I think it seemed like Rovers went out to, to play their own game, you know, to be very neat and tidy with the ball uh, and do that. But I think I kind of agree with Damien's assessment that, you know, AC Milan always looked in, you know, almost total control. And if they really had to, you know, raise it by a couple of gears, could they have done so? They probably could. Um, so I don't think there was ever a danger of a, a shock being on the cards. Yeah, I, for me, it was one of those games where you get a, a pretty good League of Ireland team probably approaching, you know, a lot of players approaching their peak. Certainly much improved. I mean, it was it was mentioned that Ricardo Lopez is a, is a much improved player and he certainly looked it uh, against AC Milan. And of course, Jack did catch the eye again with, uh, with, his, with his performance. Aaron Green got a couple of decent shots away on target. And all in all, they, they did themselves proud. But I think it was just another one of those nights where you begin to realize the sort of the disparate levels there are within the European leagues. The fact that a, a, a Serie A team, which is not perhaps, it's in a process of rebuilding and there's plenty of players in there with a lot of class to catch the eye. But a Serie A team coming to Ireland doesn't really have to exert itself to, to win a game. We're still pretty much at a level whereby those larger leagues are likely always to dominate us. Uh, so that's probably some consolation in the fact that we're we're actually playing a, an opponent from a league which is ranked below us on Thursday night. If that game put a lot of Rovers players in the shop window, then I'm all for it, you know? <laughs> If Jack Burns suddenly, his stock suddenly weren't up and some men across the water are beginning to bring out the checkbook, I go Rovers. Well, you know? <laughs> who knows? Maybe Bill will surprise us all and he'll get out his own checkbook and sign Jack Burns for Dundalk. Jesus Christ, I'll be a Bill Holtzizer super fan then. Uh, <laughs> not because of Jack Burns' ability, uh, it's because of it'll be the greatest psychological blow in history. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if he never played a game, it'd probably still be worth it. Oh yeah, sign him and a nice play him. But just uh, that would be amazing. I'd be peak six all the way. Uh, well, <laughs> if that's what it takes, Rory, and maybe Bill's listening. Um, we also had the cup draw, and we got Bohemians away, which normally would be a challenge. But in lockdown, Dublin home advantage. Who knows? Yeah, we didn't do well on our last visit. We were we were beaten, and it was sort of in the midst of our decline in form. But of course, this game now isn't coming along till November, and much could have changed between now and then as regards form. But what did you think of the draw? We could have got easier, but we perhaps could have got more difficult. We have to play these teams eventually, so you know what I mean. Like hey, with with a cup draw, yeah, we could have got an easier draw. But if you're going to win the thing, which I think is always still within the dark site and, you know, we're perennial finalists, we have to face the, these types of teams anyway. So might as well face them. By November, by the way, that's in current time, spatial uh, events, that's that's a lifetime away. Who knows what the lay of the land will be then. But um, the last game in Delhi Met was hard. It was a hard watch. And that, but you're right, that was at the, I suppose, at the apex or the nadir, or whatever you want to call it, of the decline. And that was really when it was all on the table. About When we came back from the break, we were not the same team. And I think that was the game where it showed we were not the same team. There was something that really showed us that there was something really wrong there. But the next time we play them, well, sorry, the next time when we played them in the Cup in November, who knows what the later land is then. So I think it's very hard to predict. Bose might have blown all their budget, by the way, on... Um, uh, posters around Dublin they have plastered the city with propaganda uh, so maybe they'll have no money to pay their players by then uh, Is this a bid to keep Danny Mandrew? Is that the, is that the propaganda? They, I mean I, I live in Inchicore and they've, they've well I live beside Inchicore and they've plastered Inchicore in posters which have all been defaced they are um, the, the, the PR campaign is in full swing um, mm-hmm. so but it won't matter when we beat them in the cup I don't think I could call it then if we are playing the Mexican party you know, because, <laughs> um, um, no, I don't think, as Rory says, you're going to have to play these teams eventually. And uh, maybe it'll work in our advantage, the fact that, you know, if uh, Filippo can get the, the players playing again, gets the confidence up, we start to, you know, play like a well-oiled machine. We can beat anyone on, on any day, so I wouldn't be worried about it. 
Yeah, I don't think they'll be thrilled to have drawn us either. Like, uh, as you say, there were easier draws available and uh, the sight of us coming over the horizon uh, will probably make them think twice uh, about their own chances of progression. And of course, we're sort of also in a foot race with them for second place. And that may turn out to be more important. They had a late goal in Sligo, which gave them a, a victory in a game that looked for all purposes, like it was going to peter out into a rather pleasing draw for us. Um, so Bohemians are perhaps suddenly the main threat to us as regards, you know, that second place finish and also progression in the cup. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's, let's face it, it's a race for second at this stage. I mean, it's depressing as that is to say, we said on this podcast that the league is beyond us. So it is a race for second and that's hugely important as we know. Um, so they are, are, I think, both are really, it's between us and them. I mean, it's kind of a, a mini title race for that second place spot. So the league, obviously, is going to be more important. So from a league point of view, it really is both our rival. I think any talk of taking Rovers by either club is, is put out of our minds. But it's, it's a straight shootout between the two of us. Okay, so, well, with Hope Rising, it's on to Transnistria to play Sheriff. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll be back here this time next week discussing our imminent participation in the group stages of the Europa League. Fingers crossed. Thanks once again for joining us for a chat tonight. It was really enjoyable to catch up. And we'll do it again after the Sheriff game. Face of football, the face of football, the face of football.